Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm delighted to share the rest of the second series is once again in partnership with Heck. Being an independent and family-owned business, they pull out all the stops to bring that farmer's market quality to the supermarket shelf. In addition to their delicious original range, they offer veggie options too, catering for absolutely everyone, all of which can be found online at heckfood.co.uk and in the major supermarkets too. Hello and thank you so much for tuning in to Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you with all the evidence-based advice you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, a registered nutritionist, master practitioner, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode of this second series, I'll be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authorities in the world of well-being, so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. With the constantly changing landscape in nutrition, it's hard to know which information is accurate. Everywhere we look, we're bombarded by conflicting messages about food, stipulating what we should and shouldn't be eating. New diets hit the headlines on a daily basis, and we are made to question whether gluten is good or bad for us and see foods being disguised as healthy despite their alarmingly high sugar content. The list is honestly endless. I believe that we all have the right to make our own decisions around the foods we choose to eat. We should be armed with the knowledge to look past these sensationalist media messages in order to make informed choices. So joining me today to uncover the truth behind some of the confusion is Jenny Rosborough, registered nutritionist and head of nutrition for Jamie Oliver. Having worked both in the public health and commercial side of the food industry, Jenny is perfectly placed to advise on how to navigate the world of food marketing. Hello, Jenny. Hi. I can't believe you finally made it in. I know you've had a very busy day. (laughs) Very busy day. Nutrition is not boring. can say that at least. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And I've known you for quite a long time now and I have so much respect for what you do. So I'm sure that everybody is in for such a treat because we are confused, I think, Jenny, by all the different (laughs) messages surrounding food. What do you think has happened? I think that there's a reason why people are confused, definitely. So food, it's one of those things, and we've spoken about this before, but everyone eats. So Mm -hmm. to an extent, everyone um, has an opinion and everyone is an expert in food. (laughs) When it comes to nutrition and health, I think there are a couple of big things going on here where, you know, registered nutritionists are not, the title of nutrition is not properly protected, Mm. um, which is a big issue. So anyone can call themselves a nutritionist and people do really short courses. Oh, it's so worrying. It is worrying. And um, we haven't really got a grip on that yet. All we can say in the meantime is look for a registered nutritionist Mm. um, until we've got further kind of work um, done there who are are registered with the Association for Nutrition. Um, I think Headlines in the media have always been a bit of an issue to how um, research is interpreted in one headline. Yeah. And now social media, that is such an issue because we, I mean, we are regulated more than other people. So basically we can say less about nutrition than someone who hasn't got any qualification Mm -hmm. at all. I think that's an issue. I do. I completely agree. I mean, actually, that's such a valid point. We can't say as much as we'd like because we know cases are unique or we have red tape. You know, we're bound by a code of ethics. And of course, you can't make sweeping statements. But for anybody that's not regulated, calling themselves a nutritionist when they've only done perhaps a a week or two or an online course, um, it will never match up to a degree. And Mm. it can cause, I think, harm 
I would go as far as saying it now causes harm. But there's so yep, many things I that I want to bring into this podcast. So let's focus on the main offenders first in terms of dietary myths and things that we see. So we're still seeing a lot of these fad diets being advertised. Like we've just said um, on social media, maybe high fat, low carb. I mean, there's even conferences out there now for mm. these these types of things. Detoxes, so many others. Tell, tell me what your thoughts are on these kind of fads and what can people look out for? I think people all, always need to look at who is promoting it for a start because there was a petition recently which was interesting. I think it was more around the diet pill, maybe like the skinny teas, skinny coffees. Um, <laughs> How many skinny titles there are exactly, right Exactly, which is an issue, a whole different issue, isn't it? But... Um, yeah, and, and about celebrity endorsement of these and how that should be regulated. There's It's a massive loophole in advertising, actually. So I think we do need to really get a grip on that. But other things, you know, the really common one is you should go gluten-free. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, as we know, um, well, this is interesting. In America, a couple of years ago on a main chat show, there was um, a question that went round to people and they were asked whether they're gluten-free. And a lot of the answers were, of course, I'm gluten-free, you know, as if that's a really good thing. When they were asked what gluten was, no one really <laughs> knew. No. So to clear that up, gluten is a protein found yeah. in wheat, um, rye, barley, for example. And obviously some people do have an intolerance or have celiac disease, Um and that's a body's immune system, you know, reaction with gluten. And but does that's it. really serious. And that's really it? serious. Yeah. It impacts body's ability to absorb nutrients. And, you know, so there are cases, really clinical cases, under doctor's guidance where we shouldn't have gluten. But for most people, um, it's not healthy to cut it out because if you consider the types of foods that it's in, it might be breads and pastas. Um, you know, there are other nutrients going on there as well. It's also in a lot of products that I see, um, you know, kind of like ready meals and things. People don't realise there's quite mm. a lot of it. Yeah, and I think, you know, part of it might be that people associate gluten with cakes and biscuits and those types of, of foods. But that is the cakes and biscuits and the other ingredients. <laughs> That's nothing really to do with the gluten. And isn't it only 1% of the population anyway that have um, celiac disease? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that a lot of people would claim a gluten intolerance but not necessarily be aware of that. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if you think you've got one, talk to your GP. But generally, you know, we we do want to be eating the the breads and the pastas and and those types of foods do have... um, vitamins and fiber and yeah you know, of so. course and you touched on this kind of skinny teas and um <laughs> yeah i've lost count of how many celebrity endorsed mm. skinny I, I the the word in itself kind of yeah. gives me revulsion i don't even know what to, how to describe um, <laughs> <laughs> what are they what are they doing why do people call these detox products like to be honest i i think that they're just riddled with false health claims yeah like you know that you just would not be allowed to to really make on another packaging so um with these, they, they will claim like quick weight loss generally, won't they, I think. Mm. If you're going to cut out stuff and just have a drink, <laughs> then you're going to lose weight regardless. We know that in the in the long run that that really isn't helpful. Mm. Um, I think that moving on to, you mentioned low carb, that's an interesting one because I think that for the general population, that's not an approach we want to take. We will miss out again on fibre and really important nutrients. Um, we're not getting enough fibre, are we? Exactly, we're not getting enough fibre. So that's really important. There is um, a discussion, again, that is more research-based and really, really clinical, uh, You know, saying that it might be beneficial for certain population groups, but that should always be done under recommendations from dietitians mm. and doctors. Um, for the general population, I think that we need carbohydrates. I couldn't agree more. I mean, they're the brain's preferred source of energy, mm-hmm. aren't they? Preferred exactly. fuel in the body. And I think there's a big um, misconception of demonising different types of carbs. So the quality and the quantity yeah. of them matter more. And yeah. that's something that I see you discussing a lot. And when you mentioned also something that's quite interesting, that people are advertising things on social media, but you wouldn't see the same thing potentially on TV. Yeah. I mean, are there different kind of guidelines to advertising rules yeah yeah well I think with the area that I've been working in a lot is more the advertising around the foods and drinks that are high in fats and sugar and salt um particularly Mm. for children so this is really part of the whole government child obesity strategy but it's further than that it's about children's diets at Mm. the end of the day Mm. um and we know there that there are restrictions so around what can be advertised during children's programs okay but there are big loopholes still um, first of all, a lot of children are watching um, TV online now. Not, oh my goodness. Not watching TV online, that doesn't make sense, you know what I mean. YouTube, because apparently YouTube, YouTube yep. is the new TV. Exactly. Yes. And then the other thing is the family viewing programmes. Mm. So just because children don't make up the majority of the audience, they don't um, have to be, have the same restrictions in place. 
But we still know that millions of children are being exposed. So if you look at the types of adverts in Britain's Got Talent and X Factor for Foods and Drinks, I think that's where all the manufacturers are going for getting the, mm. the biggest bang bang for their buck. And um, it does have an impact. So we know that seeing these types of adverts increases children's preference for these types of foods and intake for these types mm. of foods. Must make it hard for parents. Really hard for parents because pester power is a thing as well. Yeah. Um, and, and it just normalises the intake of these types of foods as well. And I think the best comment that I got um, doing an interview on this once was, from the Advertising Standards Authority saying, well, actually, the adverts don't really work, which I thought was brilliant because Ah. they put a lot of money and investment for those adverts if they don't work. Um, So, yeah, there there is definitely more regulation with... Mm you know, TV adverts mm. compared to what you might see on social media and because they need to catch up. social media is scary. I mean, one thing that I'm, mm. I'm seeing so much of is that a lot of people aren't transparent, so they're not mm. declaring the truth. It's, yeah. It is a filtered world, and I end up discussing this a lot with most guests because yeah. it's such a topical point. It's yeah. only growing. But anybody, anybody can stand up there with holding a product yeah. and make a claim about it. Yes. When we know that as registered nutritionists that claim doesn't hold any stance no stance whatsoever and those people who are standing up there getting paid to stand up there with them are probably not even they've probably never tasted it no (laughs) need to bear that in mind like we need food to survive so anyone who's selling you skinny teas instead of food yeah exactly (laughs) um are wrong (laughs) yeah sweets to make your hair grow if only it were that easy guys Um, sounds great (laughs) (laughs) i know now another thing that i don't personally like to label as a fad because it's not, but something that we've seen growing as an ethical Mm. choice or a lifestyle choice is veganism. Yes. And this is interesting because I think it brings us nicely onto the discussion that labelling products as healthy. What kind of goes into that? I know you do a lot of work with this, with obviously with Jamie Oliver and your previous past with Mm. Action on Sugar. To call a product healthy, it's not always healthy, is it? No. So actually, yeah, this is a big and quite complicated area, even even for nutritionists sometimes. I yeah. think. Um, so if you're going to call a product healthy, then essentially the manufacturer has to have a health claim okay. with it. Um, so, you know, that would be in terms of maybe the fibre that it contains and then what that can do. Um, so it's not that easy for us, actually, especially that's, you know, com- a commercial stance. But it's not that easy for us, actually, just to talk about healthy foods all the time yeah. because it's really about a healthy diet um, overall. But I think with the veganism, that's really interesting. It's very topical at the moment mm. because we just had Veganuary. Yeah. Um, so I've been talking about it quite a bit um, in the press and I know that you have as mm. well. Um, And I think it's really useful to point out it's never about putting people off um, eating a vegan diet because there are lots of reasons why people might choose to do that and a lot of positive reasons. We know that there is um, some evidence associating a more plant-based diet with a a reduced risk of some diseases. Mm. But a vegan diet isn't inherently healthier. And I think that that's a really important point to get across. And two of the main things that I, I think are worth kind of highlighting are First of all, missing nutrients. So if you are taking f- foods out of your diet, we mm. need to be adding things in. So we need to be having fortified versions of the plant milk, plant yeah. drink alternatives. Yeah. Um, and also so a lot of these products, and same with the gluten-free actually, are higher in salt. So there's they been a couple are, of surveys done showing that, yeah. I mean, even in terms of, um, even the fortification, sometimes that doesn't even stand up to the original product, though. Mm. Yeah, so that's really interesting, especially with the plant-based um, drinks. We can't call mm. them plant-based milks, um, because <laughs> the some of the manufacturers will claim that they don't, um, they're not saying that they're a milk replacement. If you look at the adverts, they're definitely being poured over cereal and used in the same yes. way. Um so they, the key things that they would miss are calcium, iodine um, and vitamin B12. Mm. And so what we really want is for um, companies to be like adding those nutrients in. So fortifying their drinks with I mean, those nutrients. Iodine is something that I think we can touch on a little bit now. And mm. the, the fact that it's not really there yet, is it, in most of the products? No. So um, a lot of them have calcium. Mm. Some have B12. Um, not very many at all have iodine, actually. No. And some have vitamin D. Some have vitamin mm. D, which is a really good thing because we know that generally we find that hard to get, well, from any food, not really just kind of a vegan thing. Yeah. So they do, which is good. But yeah, we just want more consistency. And I think what's interesting about this is just having the conversation um, really, you know, well-educated friends of mine who are, who are drinking plant 
based drinks just mm. have no clue and why would they so no. we need to get that out there I think I, I agree completely and, and when we said about vegan diets being healthy or not healthy I have some clients Jenny mm. that could literally eat a vegan diet with um, I don't know a vegan burger with mm. chips and fries because they're yes, vegan food exactly, exactly. <laughs> so true crisps I mean I think it's is it Oreos Oreos are vegan yeah. so there's a lot of options <laughs> a vegan sausage roll is not healthier than a, a normal sausage roll yeah a particular there. chain brought out a vegan sausage roll recently yes. and it went crazy didn't it yes yeah <laughs> so what should we be on the lookout for when it comes to packaged foods now I had so many questions mm. for you Jenny people were inundated with what what are the traffic like things yeah. could you explain the system of packaging yes definitely so on the back of the packet you always have to have all the nutrition information yeah um on and legally it has to be declared on the front of the packet it's really up to the manufacturer as to whether they put the nutrition information on there or not again it's up in terms of like whether they're going to put that traffic light color-coded front of pack information so it's not legal they can so, choose so they don't have to no color code that so that's why there's so many inconsistencies and i think so the biggest role in packaging is the manufacturer they have such a role to play and for a couple of reasons um, and one of them is really uh, well educating consumers so we know that the more consistently approached the more likely people are going to be able to use that and understand mm. it um, but the other reason is I think if they had to really show ex- like really clearly what was in their foods and that would really trigger a lot of reformulation so that means reduction of sugar salt um, saturated fat in the products so if Which they don't is being called for it is and if they didn't want all red on the front then Ooh. they all of a sudden have to show that sneaky so, yeah so we do need consistency manufacturers have a lot um to play there but basically what they're based on is an adult's an average adult's daily reference intake so a percentage it shows the percentage that it makes up of um your daily um reference intake for fat saturated fat and it's often salt, written and just abbreviated sugar. isn't it exactly um one of the challenges is it says total sugars it refers to total sugars mm. not um free sugars so free sugars are the type that we want to reduce and they're all the added sugars um including honey and syrups and also those sugars become free if they're blended in a, in a fruit juice or, or smoothies. Ah, so if, if people are looking at total sugars, mm. so you've got the sugars that are inside a piece of food naturally, let's say, yeah. like a piece of fruit or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But if you're adding anything extra at all, then it's free. So if the if that fr- if that apple is blended into an apple juice, yeah, mm. and that becomes free sugar. So the type that we want to cell. have less of because it's outside the cell, exactly. So on the front of the packet, it will say total sugar. So that could include... Um, lactose um, and fructose if it's got fruits in it or vegetables in it um, but yeah it's not really distinguished and then yeah I guess there's one more thing to say about the labels which yeah. is a bit of a bugbear the um, that you know they can put especially on cereals for example yeah. high in fiber high in this vitamin oh, all the rest of it but yeah. it can also be high in sugar mm-hmm. and I really feel that we should only be able to make such claims when something isn't you know really really high in saturated fat or sugar or something particularly So unhealthy. this is a problem, I think. And don't a lot of claims have to be um, in line with the EU? So yes. there must be a cut-off point that's considered maybe low sugar or high sugar. Yes. So what we're saying effectively is that if a product is high sugar, then we shouldn't put the label of high fibre even if it is next to it. I think so. Mm. You know, that is just my thought, just to yeah. caveat that. But I yeah. just think it puts parents in a bit of a difficult situation. If you want to claim that this is a great product to have because it's high fibre, then let's not caveat that with your child also has to have loads of sugar. Cereals is just a good example of that, I think. Yeah. Um, and there is hopefully more work being done in reducing the amount of sugar in cereals. And what about for parents looking at fat on the back of mm. packets? Like how do they decipher that per 100 grams? It's always there on the back, isn't it? Of yeah. which are saturates kind yes, of thing. Yes, yeah. exactly. So the main thing that we want to look at with fat is the saturated fat. Yeah. Um, obviously, total fat um, is in, has does have an impact on total energy of the product, total calories. Um, mm. But something to caveat all this with, I suppose, is that this is all based on average adult requirements. It's not children's nutrition data on the front of the packet. And also it's not, um, yeah, it's always adults. And it's and it's an average adult. So it is different for everyone. Mm. But we have to have something. We have to have an average guidance on there. So with fat, I'd look more at saturated fat. Um, so saturated fat, here you go, here's some numbers, see if I can remember them. <laughs> um, saturated fat, we would want um, to be low in saturated fat, less than 1.5%. Mm-hmm. Um, 
for sugar, we want it to be less than 5%. Okay. And for salt, we want less than 0.3%. And is the percentage on the back of the packs per it's, product? So we'll always have per 100 grams. Yeah. Um, and then the other aspect that we can look at as well is obviously per serving, um, so, so you know how much you're having. But so even for parents to have to do that calculation is quite mm. tricky. It is. And you know what? It's one of those things... I, wouldn't I, the reason why I think the traffic light is is helpful is because at a glance you can just tell if it's a sugary product True. or if it's high in saturated fat. What we don't want parents to, you know, be sitting there trying to work out and calculate what their children <laughs> have because everyone is so different. And I don't even think my maths is good enough to be working that out every <laughs> Do single you know day. What? Nutrition is so much maths. I don't think I, I really was prepared for this. Thank goodness for calculators. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I think when you're looking at um, products, thank you for sharing that with us, Jenny. It's really really interesting. And what what even struck a chord with me is that it is the adult information so yeah. it doesn't even apply to children so parents yes. do have a responsibility as well of course mm. when they're choosing items for their children yeah they do um but I think we need to cut some slack for parents almost mm. because there's so much that is misleading and hard for that you know how is a parent going to know all of that information totally. um, we didn't know before you shared it with us here exactly and so yeah so manufacturers I'm going to throw the onus back to them okay okay <laughs> great yep. <laughs> so we want manufacturers to change I think that's a really interesting thing and when it comes to looking at things that are incredibly high in sugar and salt for example mm. like you just said the breakfast cereals what was the intention behind the sugar tax let's say what, what mm. impact does that have so I know you were quite instrumental in that so we were really involved in, in this sugar tax. Um, so officially called soft drinks industry levy. And basically what it is, is a mandatory reformulation program. And so what I mean by that is reformulation, like we just uh, mentioned, is taking the less healthy parts um, out of a product. So reducing the sugar. Um, Making and re- a new product, essentially. Yeah. yeah. So to, uh, or it can be tweaks um, as well. So what actually what is helpful is tweaking original products mm. um, rather than kind of creating a high sugar version and a low sugar version. Um, and the reason why reformulation is so, so important in nutrition is that it impacts across the population. Mm. So it doesn't rely on someone doing the calculations and trying to work out what's in their food. It doesn't rely on people being particularly health engaged and having time to look when they go around the supermarket and they've got kids with them and they're really busy. Oh. Um so it's essentially improving the nutritional value of the foods on the shelves in the first place. So mm-hmm. if you don't change what you eat at all, your diet is still improving. Mm-hmm. And where we've seen that work really successfully is with salt reduction over mm-hmm. the last 10 or a bit more years. Yeah. So that's been really, really successful. And people haven't really realised that their salt has reduced. No. In fact, I've actually seen, and this is anecdotal, not evidence-based. I just mm. have to throw that in there <laughs> in my clinic. But I've seen a lot of people not having enough salt now. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, cooking with no salt yeah. whatsoever. But you know what? The thing, the challenge with that, which is difficult, is that... So I think a lot of people will say, well, I'm, you know, I'm cutting back on my salt. I'm not cooking with it. But about 80, 70, 80 mm. percent is already in, the, in food. the food. So that's where the manufacturers, again, the onus is really on, on them. Although, you know, people can do a lot to reduce the salt in their food as well. Um, no, it's true. It's interesting because like you said, with that having an effect and the, the mm. salt being a good example. So yeah. when it comes to sugar. So sorry, sugar tax. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just setting the scene of what, where it can be really successful. So basically we're having too much sugar as a population, two to three times more than is recommended, particularly in children and teenagers. And the biggest contributing source of that is um, sugary drinks. Mm. So if we want to reduce the sugar across the population, it makes sense to take the, it out to reduce it in these drinks. Um, so that's where the sugar tax comes in. And a lot of other countries, uh, well, I say a lot, a few other countries have done it. And mm. they've done it from the perspective of just um, putting a tax onto the drink and making it more expensive. Mm. Whereas um, in the UK, the tax is on the manufacturer. So that's why I'm calling it mandatory reformulation, because if they don't reduce the sugar then they are charged. Right. But, um, and actually, what happened is they had two years to implement this. Yeah. Um, I think we were actually, do you remember I was we speaking were, at a conference? We were on, together, yeah, you were there the day that it was announced. And I was. It, it just completely diverted my day. But <laughs> that anyway. That day was chaotic. Yeah, it was really um, unexpected, but mm. brilliant news. So that was two years ago, and they had yeah. two years to, well, nearly three now, to implement Gosh. that. And in that time, um, over 50% of manufacturers reformulated reduced the sugar to avoid the tax and overall sugar came down by 11 percent in that product category so that's successful yeah um before we even know you know how this impacts on tooth decay and you know children's diets and all the rest of it but initially that seems um successful um but yeah i think that overall with the sugar tax we is one example 
But um, we also need to see sugar come down, you know, in, in our, across our foods oh, as well. Couldn't agree more. And what's so interesting is that public health nutrition is something I think a lot of people get very confused about. Mm. They think the government isn't doing right or they're always trying mm. to point the blame somewhere. But it's very hard at a yeah. big health level yeah. to think of something that can help everyone. But what you've said there is that actually by reducing it overall without people really noticing, yeah. Yeah. that's going to have an impact on people's health whether they choose it or not. So it's quite yeah. a nice thing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there is some criticism of it, of course. Um, but in my mind, there's no upper limit for what manufacturers can put in their products in the first place. That's scary. And th- exactly. So this is really that, like, why are there um, cans or fizzy drinks that have more than 10 teaspoons of sugar, more than more than a child's maximum, more than an adult's maximum daily allowance of free sugars? Oh, if you look at that and you think of that visually in a bowl, it's just revolting. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I should actually just quickly caveat that where um, a couple of the big brands have not reformulated, they don't want to touch their original products, they tend to pass that cost on to consumers. Um, so that is still happening in a way, um, not across the board, but for a couple um and you know so it does make those slightly more expensive but research from other countries shows that that tends mm. to put, make people make choices of lower sugar versions so yeah I mean we've got to do something at the end of the day and it kind of leads me on to the next subject of calorie counting mm. um it, it's very tricky and I know recently yeah. the government bought in kind of hand portion sizes all yeah. sorts of different things yeah. it's it's very interesting for Jenny and myself as nutritionists mm. to be discussing this kind of thing but but what are your thoughts on putting calories on menus mm. everywhere yeah, so my thought with this is that we do have nutrition information available in the supermarket. We have no idea what um, people put in it. People, like the owners of restaurants are putting in. so true. Chefs, there we go. It's a word <laughs> that I'm looking for. Um, that chefs are putting into their restaurant meals. So in my mind, it is just being transparent about what's in that, that food. Um, we know that in America now, it is mandatory that in restaurants above maybe 20 chains, they have to declare the amount of calories mm-hmm. in each meal. Um, we do have really high levels of overweight and obesity um, in the UK. So well, we're now the biggest in Europe, aren't so, we? Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So we do need to, um, you know, help um, reduce those levels. And so maybe by having the calories, that might prompt some people to um, choose a low calorie option if they want to other Mm. people might think well I don't eat out a lot um, so I'm not going to and that's absolutely fine it's up Mm. to people but at least they're then allowed to have a choice and I think it's also based on the fact that we eat out a lot more nowadays than it's not really just a treat anymore No I mean I can see both sides I completely Mm. agree with what you said and there'll be other people I know out there listening being like but that causes unhealthy relationships with Mm. food um, obsessive calorie counting and Mm. perhaps um, I mean I can see both sides completely it will Mm be very beneficial and people should have the yeah. right to access that yeah. knowledge in fact I've been working with delivery recently yeah and the amount of restaurants that did not have information yeah. for me to analyze yes I can imagine significantly reduced they don't have nutritionists a no. lot of them so no um, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Um, yeah, and I think, you know, that is a point. I, I don't think necessarily, if, like, I wouldn't like it to be about calorie counting. Yeah. I think it helps people choose just generally a higher calorie meal or a lower calorie meal, you know. Yeah, when you go out, sometimes you don't want to think about it. Yeah, you don't You don't want to. Exactly. No, <laughs> but it should. I think it's good to have it as an option there, but yeah. also something that you don't have to see if you don't want to. So perhaps yeah. that's the solution. It's there if people want to look. Yeah, and I think, yeah, it's how it's done, isn't it? Um, mm. I think that if we can also give some kind of guidance to the whole nutritional value content of that food so it's not just about calories um, as such but you know the other key thing with this going back to the manufacturers um, and um, the restaurant owners is that if they don't have the if they have to put this on all of a sudden then maybe they will be a bit more responsible with the amount of calories that are going into some of their meals because I think people will be quite surprised. Honestly, I think so many people will be surprised. If you go out for your average, I think this is a stat I saw, that a chicken korma, mm. I think that can be over half of your daily energy yeah. intake. Like you can look at over a thousand calories yeah. in one curry. Definitely. Because to get it to taste that good, guys, there's a lot of extra <laughs> stuff in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if you're having it once in a while, then fine. But if we are eating out at, you know, restaurants daily. all the time and, and, you know, all the coffee shops and everything, then I think it's just helpful um, yeah. to have it there. Hold, hold, hold restaurants and, well, all all eating out places yeah. really a bit accountable I think. yeah I think that's a good approach and so moving from dinner to breakfast because mm. breakfast is quite a topical <laughs> topic and um, I really enjoy breakfast it's one of my favorite things it definitely fuels me through the day but I'm also yeah. very aware that, that for some of my clients that's definitely a no-go breakfast for them it's up to them mm. but there's a lot of confusion about whether having breakfast is healthy Mm. So a recent Guardian report suggested that 31 cereals, porridges and granolas were found to contain more than three quarters of an adult's recommended daily maximum intake of three sugars in one portion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Can you expand on this? Because we touched on cereals a lot, but in terms of breakfast in general and the options out there for people on the go. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, cereals are a tricky one because a lot of them are too high in sugar. Um, are potentially too high in salt as well, although there's been a lot of salt reduction in cereal, um, about 50% over the last 10 or so years. Um, And I think with sugar, what we're seeing now is hopefully a reduction because we've got this government reformulation programme. So 20% of sugar is meant to be reduced by 2020 and and, and they've had five years to do it. So if it's done kind of gradually, bit by I bit. I am seeing low sugar granolas everywhere mm. now, which is great. So many brands bringing out lower sugar yeah. versions of their classics. So there are more choices. Um, but we don't want to put people off having cereals because no. also fibre, um, vitamins are, are oh, fortified are with a lot of vitamins. Exactly. Yeah. So um, we don't really want to put people off per se. No. And, and there's a debate about the impact of food advertising in general when it comes to children, like we've said. Mm. So... Going into your role with Jamie Oliver, because we know Jamie has been really active Mm. um, in campaigning for a healthy generation. um, And what an incredible experience for you to obviously be working Mm. as like right hand woman, like leading the nutrition Mm -hmm. camp. I'm so proud and happy for you. What an incredible (laughs) job. But could you tell us more about how active this conversation has been recently? So particularly around advertising Mm. or so, yeah, it's on advertising. So we didn't um, add enough campaign last year about a year ago um that's been going on and you know it's at jamie's and it's also across lots of different um Mm. organizations and and charities um all working together which is really good because we're all basically saying the same message that they're our generation protect yeah Mm. exactly and advertising does have an impact um the other area that we've spoken about a bit um, and other charities and there's a consultation on is price promotions are trying to make sure that the price promotions are more on the healthier foods to incentivize that if they're always on the cheaper ones then that's always going to draw us you never get that. buy one get one free on a banana can i just say that exactly <laughs> maybe that maybe that will be the, the new campaign so, I hope so. <laughs> there's a lot of things going on there and at the moment where we're up to is yeah fill, filled out kind of and contributed as have lots of other people to government consultations and hopefully they'll start putting some some guidelines, a bit more regulation in place. And again, it's not to put people off ever having these types of foods no. and, um, you know, that are higher in fat and sort of sugar. It's just that at the moment we are having them far too often. And the argument always goes back from um, industry. Well, you know, it's up to the parent. They should be responsible. But actually the parent is being heavily influenced by, by all of the advertising, the, the cost of the foods, all the rest of it. Yeah, mm. so we need to change that. And that it didn't go down too well with everybody in terms mm. of, I mean, why wasn't it well received by some? Because I thought it was a wonderful idea. 
Yeah, I mean, people are always going to um, complain about things that are regulation-based when you want a bit of regulation. It's mm. it's the nanny state idea. Or it's the yeah. same with smoking laws and seatbelts and, and all the rest of it. People don't like being told what to do. Um, but like I said, the reason why we're asking for regulation in these areas is because because there has been none at the mm. moment there like the amount of sugar in drinks there yeah. has been no upper limit um, yeah. companies can do what they want so um we do need something <laughs> can you talk me through the effect sugar has in the body kind of why um it's linked to all these different kinds of cuz now there there's a link to heart health isn't there with sugar could you d- so the the main thing with sugar is you know, it's it's definitely okay to have some sugar. It's not about you know. I, I would never promote sugar free. That oh, we have can to you go imagine sugar-free. life without a brownie, Jenny? It, I don't think I could do it. Exactly, <laughs> and that's why things like drinks and cereals tend to focus on those areas because they're those everyday products. But the main mm. thing um, with sugar is that it does well, particularly sugary drinks. There's a lot of the evidence is around sugary drinks in kind of increasing. Um, weight gain mm. um, so we might not compensate um, elsewhere compared to if we have other nutrients like calories from other nutrients mm. so we might not necessarily get as full from the sugar um, but I think the thing that is often really missed is tooth decay yes of course yeah so so they're quite simple things that people probably really aware of um, but we just yeah so we need to make sure that we're not having as much as we have well, at the moment especially for children and I feel so sorry for so there's young children growing up and I think the stats are if you are obese in childhood you're more likely to be when you are mm-hmm. older you're more likely to develop I mean type 2 diabetes is now being developed in children as young as yeah. well below 10 yeah and I think all of those things are quite worrying but what you've just touched on is really interesting how it's not just calories in calories out because Mm. it is but it's the type of calories exactly if you don't feel full and satisfied from the calories you're getting from sugar and you're lacking vital nutrition exactly it will affect growth yeah so if you're so one thing that we've spoken about quite a lot is energy drinks Mm. um and i think the big issue with energy drinks is that children are having them on their way to school instead of breakfast (gasps) Um, and ha- yeah, and having those, and then so the good perspective from here is to hear from teachers, um, because they see it firsthand the impact. What you know, and again, it is anecdotal, but drinks, they're seeing those it. Breakfast cereal drinks, I've seen those as well. I, I, I mm. think isn't it? I don't want to say oh, the brand name, but yeah. you know what I mean. Those biscuit drink things. Oh, <laughs> biscuit drink things. <laughs> uh, really, they sound really nutritious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you know what we really want to be doing with breakfast? Although I know that this is ideal world, so. Um, the the reality is very different mm-hmm. but we want to be you know sitting down um, together eating breakfast um, and having conversation and making it a healthy meal time and all of those things in reality like I suppose um, families are really busy in the morning and there is mm. quite an, an eat on the go culture mm. um, so yeah I think that the most important thing is to get the child if we're talking specifically about children to eat breakfast um, this is when lovely recipes like overnight oats come into play because if you just whip it up the night before and shove it in the fridge then it's there ready for you in the morning plan ahead to get the child involved and I know it's very easier said than done Mm. of course everybody's lifestyle is different but I couldn't agree with you more I think we need to go back to basics with how we surround ourselves with food and how we view it yes and one question to also add this is from Mm. me to you that I kind of wanted to ask and you were in here as well is now being a part of a campaign so as a nutritionist, what are the questions you're most commonly asked now you're associated with Jamie Oliver compared to mm. when you worked before with, let's say, Action on Sugar mm. or as a solo, you know, freelance nutritionist? Yeah, that's so interesting. I don't know if there's one. Oh, it's, it's, it's always about the sugar tax, which is yeah, interesting because yeah. I did a lot of work on the sugar tax at Action on Sugar mm-hmm. beforehand. Um, yeah. But Jamie's obviously associated with that for really, really good reasons. So yeah. um, usually get asked, and, and most of the time, you know, if people are talking to me about the sugar tax, I'm like, oh god, yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> but it is, I do, you know, I actually am really proud to be part of that work yeah. because I think that um, it is important, um, and it's not about going and taxing every single food out there. That's no. not it at all. But to actually get the government to say this is important enough for us to act on it we care about child health yeah what that does is that that kind of opens the doors then yeah, yeah. you should care about child health that is yeah. your job yeah. um, amongst lots of other things um and what else do we need to do now T- totally and there's a lot of people out there that are not open to government in you know mm-hmm. implementing anything really in general but actually we have to look at yeah. it at a basic level it is purely for the prevention of 
strains on the NHS in future years, yeah. for the health of the nation. And I may be sounding like a bit of a dreamer here as well, but <laughs> I think we have to remember that no one's choosing to be in a state of poor health just as much as they're not choosing to... Um, consume products unknowingly that contain that much sugar yeah exactly we can only be as healthy as our food environment yeah so until that is really changed it's not going to impact them you know and we know that for example there are links um, lots of evidence linking obesity with more social deprivation and mm-hmm. and cost and time um all those things impact our food There's choices so i say factors. choices loosely our food options yeah <laughs> i know and this is where i have it because i see a lot in kind of this is moving into a fitness world where i see a lot of debate on well it's simple the solution to obesity is calories in calories exactly. out exactly like if it were that simple we would not have a we problem. would we wouldn't have a job either yeah yeah i know <laughs> i know i so um we've got some questions from followers I've been putting out the feelers yeah. all week. So um, you haven't seen these yet, but you're you're going to smash these. So oh, no. you will be fine. Um, oh, that's a gorgeous name. I can't even say I think it's Lila. It's spelled mm. L-I-L-A. So Lila or Lila. Mm. Maybe Lila. Let's go with both of those. Okay, Lila or Lila? <laughs> I think Lila. Okay, Lila. <laughs> Sorry, Lila. <laughs> My little sister loves sugary cereals for breakfast, mm. but I know they aren't great for her. What alternatives are there that still taste good? Oh, that's good. So I think that that um, goes back to looking at the, if they have the, a lot of cereals do have a front of pack traffic light labelling now, actually. Um, That was another campaign. Oh, and can Um, you help us to say how much they should be looking for in a low sugar cereal? Yeah, so the low sugar, if if they don't have it on the the front of pack, obviously, if it's on front of pack colour coded, then you're looking for green Mm. or amber, that's medium. So uh, to be realistic, um, but otherwise on the back, it would be um, less than 5%. So less Mm. than five grams per 100 grams. So that would be low. Um, We don't always have to go for low. We're just going to try and have less of the red. Mm. Um, So have a look and and make an informed choice that way. But also if it's hard because they taste different. So, you know, topping up with with fruit and creating other tastes or sometimes I think to start with just... um, you know, mixing in maybe the favourite with mm. another cereal <laughs> and gradually kind of changing. That's the, a really good Reducing the, uh, the old one. Because the kids will know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Their taste buds will definitely know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Lauren has said, which of the plant-based milks are healthiest? Um, okay, so with this, this is an interesting one um, because obviously you can get your oat and your almonds and there's lots of different types. God, there's types. so many. I mean, I can't, yeah. coconut, hemp, yes. rice, you Exa- name it. There are so many, aren't yeah. there? So, um, and that's a bit of a nuanced question because there's obviously kind of benefits of, um, or different benefits of all of them, but th- there's not that much difference. So to be honest, I'm more concerned about people looking for the fortified versions. Mm. There's not many of those um, mm. with the full fortification, but looking for ones that say on the back that they have iodine, vitamin B12 and calcium. I think that that it's the most important thing and then choose yeah. the one that tastes best for you <laughs> I love that it's, it's all about the taste it's so interesting because I judged the Apprentice final this year and it was a Fun. plant-based milk product Yes. and um, one of my feedback questions that did not make it to the <laughs> um, actual show because it's to do with actual health and nutrition yeah. was oh, are you going to fortify this product because oh, well. it's something that um, the lovely Camilla who's an incredible young entrepreneur she hadn't thought about because yeah. she had no yeah. nutritional guidance so I guess a lot of these companies are marketing healthy untouched products A lot. Yeah. I hear the word nine is being thrown out yes. a lot. Actually, this is something I've been thinking about as well and is a bit of a bugbear because the same with organic. Um, mm-hmm. The organic milks, they can't be fortified and people are led to believe that organic is, again, Healthy. inherently healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do need to get that, that message out there, I think. I agree completely. So if someone's saying nasty is in the milk, it's not actually anything nasty about it. It's just they're fortifying your product a lot of the time. Vitamins that you need. And those vitamins <laughs> may look like funny names you can't pronounce, but it doesn't mean they're bad for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, Anna has said, I'm confused about what to buy, full fat or Greek yogurt, which is best? Interesting. Um, Just go for the one that tastes nicest. I think think be careful if if they're they're really, really, really sweet. You don't, every day you don't want to have one that's got loads of... um, sugar added to it but if, mm. it's a, if it's a Greek yogurt um, you know a full fat sort of plain yogurt then just go yeah. for the one you enjoy I think that's I great to eat because I see Greek versus Greek style a lot on the packs mm. and there is a difference between Greek yogurt being actually strained and traditionally probably contains more of the healthy probiotic stuff right compared to Greek style which yeah. is like runny and sloppy yeah you know when you get the spoon it's like sometimes slop. the low fat ones do, do just yeah. feel a bit watery that is not a professional um, no. comment that is just kind of my opinion <laughs> Um, 
So, yeah, I think that, you know, yogurts are really nutritious. Be careful yeah. more about loads of added sugar. Yeah, be careful for like the fruity flavours mm. and things like that. So Tom has said, apart from protein, lots of foods say that they're gut friendly. Should we all be eating fermented foods in our diet or is it unnecessary? See, that's a good one that I'm not really claiming mm. to be an expert. So you might um, be better answering this. But I, th- I think that the most important thing here, especially when it comes to kind of gut health is having a variety of foods to get you know lots of fiber in mm-hmm. um yeah i completely agree I, I think tom like jenny said variety is key and the more you can get in the better there's definitely no harm in chucking those in yeah yeah i mean fermented foods t- my favorite fermented food is miso mm. oh yeah. i chuck it on everything when i'm cooking it tastes so good um but i'm not really a fan of sauerkraut yeah it's quite strong. Not something I add on the, on the daily no. basis. No, so but. fair play to you if you're, you're a sauerkraut fan. Well done. Um, Caroline says, I get so overwhelmed with all of the nutrition advice on the internet. Where do I go for the real stuff and stuff that I can share with my family? <sighs> that is a good question. Um, okay, so if you're looking on social media, then if someone's given nutrition advice from a professional perspective, you want them to be a dietitian or a registered mm-hmm. nutritionist. So... Um, that's really, really important that you're looking for that. Stay away. How can they from tell? The, stay away from the celebrities. Yeah, I think, I think we just have to say, don't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. And, and be I mean, honest. Declare it. Yeah. So you, some people just say nutritionists. Yes. So you need to. I think if if they're a registered nutritionist and have done a degree, then they will say that because we just had it drum, drummed into us. Um, so I think you kind of have to probably just look a bit more closely in that mm. in that respect. Um, probably you know not necessarily the most glamorous of websites, but if you're looking up something, then. NHS choice is always a good starting point because we just know that it's evidence-based and then that will link you to other evidence-based sites as well. Um, Mm. But British Dietetic Association, British Nutrition Foundation, um, are good websites too. Really, really good information. Thank you, Jenny. So we're moving on to my favourite part of the podcast. (laughs) Um, This is a quick fire round. Uh Uh-oh. I know. It's called Fact or Fiction. Oh, no, I'm going to get caught out here, aren't I? No, you're going to be absolutely fine. So you're going to say fact or fiction... um, and okay. we actually had an answer. I'm going to give this to you as a thing that a guy made up before called, what was it called? Faction. Because oh. he didn't know. Faction. He just okay. came out with it. He's like, Faction, I don't know. <laughs> That's really good. I'm going to use that. I know. Faction, I know. right. Got okay. It. Going gluten-free is healthier. Faction. No, I'm joking. That is fiction. <laughs> Unless there's a medical reason. Love then it. that's really important. There we go. Carbs make you fat. Um, fiction <laughs> some teas can detox and remove toxins fiction breakfast cereals are healthy <laughs> um, <laughs> faction so well we've talked about this haven't we no, go for it Look, really nutritious stuff in breakfast yeah. cereals we yeah. need all the fibre the vitamins yes. but let's just try and choose ones that have a bit less sugar now this is an interesting one natural sugars like maple syrup are healthier than refined sugars um, in the amount that we consume them, in the quantity that we consume them, that is fiction. Ah, so because we didn't touch on this. So mm. when people always say, they always say, oh, because it's honey, it's better for me. Yeah. What's your stance on that? Um, so honey is still a free sugar. The risk mm. actually is that um, because of the consistency, we can end up having a bit more of it. Mm. So it's free sugar is the type that we want to reduce. Yes, there might be some minerals or uh, nutritional benefits in there, but it, it will never be at the amount that we, we would have to have a lot of honey for that, basically. Yeah. And we can get those benefits elsewhere. Agreed. Sugar has a place in everyone's diet. Fact. Plant-based milk is better than dairy milk. Fiction, um, it's a bit nuanced, isn't it? But mm. generally, for everything we've discussed, um, it's not they're not necessarily healthier. There we go. Healthy eating is more expensive. <laughs> um, <laughs> faction. Um, I, no, I think, you know, we it depends how you do it. And I think it depends on if you're in a rush and you're running around the supermarket and you're looking for, you know, fruits and veg and you, you might be put off and think they're quite expensive. Um, but planning and lots of the frozen fruits and veg which is a really good thing that we should point out actually because yes. um, they, they tend to be really nutritious well they are really nutritious more lock so. in a lot of the nutrients they tend to be more nutritious exactly um, so not necessarily but I think that on the surface it can seem that way so I understand that question I'm still waiting for the buy one get one free banana so yeah. please push that through <laughs> campaign. Yeah, yeah we're on it <laughs> we should all be eating superfoods <laughs> um, fiction 
So oh, you want me to elaborate yeah, on that? Go on. Um, I think that we, we tend to call super we tend to call food superfoods, don't mm. we? But actually we just need this is a really fun answer. We just yeah. need a balance and a variety of lots of different fruits and vegetables and grains and nuts and seeds and protein and yeah dairy all of that and together is of super it. isn't it by exactly. <laughs> okay if you can't pronounce the ingredient it probably isn't that good for you i don't know i had someone like ask me how do you say riboflavin yesterday i was like yeah. no so you know they couldn't really say that so um no that's that's fiction sometimes the vitamins are not that easy to no pronounce. but also i do know why people are saying this like yeah. there is that I think there is something too, unless it's fortification. If we do have a really, really, really long ingredients oh list, then it is a bit off-putting. A classic <laughs> example of that is a huge, like, man-sized tub. Sorry to be stereotyping there, but it's true <laughs> of protein powder. Yes. And you see the ingredient list on the back. Yeah. And it takes up, like, the entire label. Yeah. And we probably wouldn't understand everything that's on that no, list. No, we wouldn't so. know what was in yeah. it. That is, that's when it's wearing. Jenny, thank you so much. <laughs> so that nearly wraps up the whole episode. But as with every guest, we finish with a food for thought. Mine today is that large numbers of you have experimented with dieting in some shape or form. And some of you may <laughs> have even made more drastic changes to the way you eat. If you have it's likely that you will have seen some results, at least in the short term. But what fatty diet peddlers don't share is that the true measure of a diet isn't how you feel hours, days, or even weeks later. It's how you feel after months and years. There are so many non-evidence-based marketing claims out there that try and often succeed to convince you that something is healthy in a bid to make you part with your money when in fact the opposite is true. To ensure that you are spending money in the right places when it comes to your nutrition, ensure to take some time to understand what goes into the food you eat. Get familiar with food labels like I've discussed today with Jenny and do not take all claims at face value. Also knowing where to seek nutrition information from is key because as we've discussed today, seek a qualified nutritionist or registered dietitian if you are ever unsure not your favorite celebrity or influencer mm. so if jenny if you'd like to share one thing for all mm. of our listeners today which would be your food for thought what would that be what would it be um oh there's loads of things that we've already touched on i think i definitely agree with what you're saying about just you know we need to be careful about who on social media particularly who we are getting nutrition advice from but i think just touching on the veganism thing because we've spoken about it a bit and it's really topical at the moment. Just if you are taking things out of your diet, make sure you add plenty back in as well. And a tea is not going to replace a <laughs> diet full of nutritious foods. Amen to that. <laughs> Jenny, thank you so much for Thanks coming on. Thanks for having on. me. Thank you so much for listening. It's heartening to know there's such a craving to hear from expert voices in a world full of confusing nutritional advice. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll love what's coming next week. So click subscribe to be the first to hear it. And please do leave a five-star review. It really does help get our podcast out there and hopefully help more people. For more information about my nutrition clinic, books, healthy recipes, events, retreats, and so much more, please visit nutrition.com and follow me at nutrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Summer will come around in no time, and we all know what that means. Get the barbecue out, and with Heck's new range of veggie burgers, whether vegan or vegetarian, thankfully there's absolutely no need to miss out on the deliciousness. Gone are the days of tasteless veggie sizzlers, as Heck has now released its veggie sausage flavors we all know and love as burgers. Choose from the exotic Bollywood and sweet fusion flavors, or the veggie beetroot and super green options and rock up to that barbecue with a smile. You can find Heck Veggie Burgers in Tesco or online at heckfood.co.uk. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.